You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, this is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping you to shed limiting labels and beliefs so you can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purposeful life. And first, I want to thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast. I believe without a doubt, we are each capable of so much more than we imagine, especially when we have the right support, mindset, and strategy, and most importantly, we take action. This episode is the fifth in a series we've done on heart-centered storytelling. So this is kind of a bookend. We started our series with this particular guest, and we're wrapping with this guest, which I'll talk to you about in just a minute, um, because then a different topic, so that it's going to be kind of a, a flip on the topic we did at the beginning of this series. But you know, I always think what better place to return to than the beginning and another conversation to kind of bring things home. So today, our guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast is Christy Wright Wild. And in our first chat with Christy, which is episode 178, we talked to her about her journey and her series of children's books, the inspirations and challenges of self-publishing, and her transition into traditional publishing, the why she did that, what's preferable about that and quality. Um, and you might remember her as the author who loves to connect and enchant readers, and she has a passion for helping other writers do the same. So today I'm gonna to shift the direction of questions to Christy. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna ask her to tell us more about how she actually helps writers keep their content fresh and interesting. Um, how to paint a scene that pulls us into the story and the message. So if we're not engaged, we're not, we're not paying attention. And how to stop procrastinating and finish our writing, um, or regardless whether it's a manuscript or another writing project. And I'm super curious about her course and her membership. So I'm gonna ask her some information about that so that anybody who's a writer and wants to benefit and grow there might be something in there for you of particular interest. One thing I do know for a fact is Christy's fun. She likes to laugh, and we're going to learn some great nuggets. But first, here's a little quick refresher. Christy has a degree in creative writing, and like I said, she loves to help writers finish their manuscripts, get them polished, seek publication, and ultimately become the writers they've always wanted to be. She is the founder of Plot Like a Novelist course, Run With Your Writing Membership, and The Writers Who Run Retreat. She's also self-published author of two books and has a third that is on its way for publication soon. And if that's not enough, 
She is a two-time marathon finisher that enjoys running, and she hosts a Facebook group, Writers Who Run. So that's plenty to have on your plate and to keep all the balls in the air and be successful. So now let's re-welcome our guest, Christy Wright Wild, for the second time on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, you know, last time I talked to you, I asked you the question I asked all our podcast guests, if there's something that you do every day that keeps you heading in the direction of your goals and dreams. And you shared with us that you use the full focus planner, that you have a routine that you do to start your day, and that you have a basically a closed down routine of reflection questions that help you end your day. And you acknowledge that you're not perfect in that it's a practice. But today I want to ask you a different question because I hate missing this opportunity to ask people questions about what kind of sets them apart that we can learn from. You know, you are a two-time marathon finisher and you like to um, run. You've got your Facebook group, but how does being a runner influence your work and your days? Wow, it's kind of a big question. <laughs> um, yeah, I like to run. Uh, just like my questions, I don't run every day. So there's that. And if I'm not running, I do at least try to walk, right? Because it doesn't really matter how fast you go. Walking and running, it's in essence kind of all the same thing. And I mean, the cool thing about running and writing there are so many overlaps. I don't know if, if you're familiar or anyone in your audience might be familiar with the book by, let me see if I can get his name right, uh, Haruki Hiroshimi, something like that. <laughs> we'll go with that. But he wrote this book, um, Everything I Know, uh, I, I, I might be butchering the title as well. Everything I Know About Running, I Learned From Writing. Or no, the other way. Everything I Know About Writing, I Learned From Running. Haruki Hiroshimi, I think something like that. But there are so many similarities between writing and running. And so give us a couple of examples of the similarities. I could guess on some, but they would just be guesses I'd be well, pulling out of my head. One thing I think is they're both solo sports. <laughs> writing is not a sport, but it's a solo adventure, right? And so there's that. And marathon specifically, that I'll speak to this later, I'm sure, but you have to plan, right? You have to prepare. You have to do all the work in order to be able to finish a marathon. You, you can't just go out the door and suddenly do a marathon. People think that they can do that with a book, but especially if it's a long piece of nonfiction or a novel, something like that, you do have to plan. Even if you're not planning in the beginning stage, the revision process will force you to plan. <laughs> so that's just a couple of small similarities. And the thing I do love about running is when, when I'm stuck on a piece of something in my story, like a, a, a plot knot, whatever you want to call it, you can run and it actually literally breaks through that writer's block. Like there, there's proven scientific evidence that running and walking and riding horses actually too, because it mimics 
that same movement in your hip structure, which taps into your spine and then your brain, like it will release things and help you. Like it just helps with your writing, you know, creative writing, whatever it is you're doing. If you're, if you're hitting a block and you're like, oh, I'm struggling. I don't know how to move forward in this. Go for a run. Or in my case, go for a walk. There you go. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love the concept of running. I don't like the experience of shin splints and hip pain. So I've, I've graduated to walking, but you're at, you know, you're so right. I just think about that, that, um, and I hadn't thought about it in quite those terms, but when I'm stuck on something, I've just learned over the, especially over the pandemic, there's no reason to stay stuck. It's like, grab the dog, stop what you're doing, mark it so you know what you're coming back to and take off and do something different. And even if it's for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it's amazing how you come back and your head's clear and you either know what next needs to happen or when you do rejoin it, where to start. And so I think that's, um, that's super helpful, Christy. <laughs> I do want to spend time in this interview, though, talking more about how you help other writers. Now, personally, I mean, I spent so many years like writing technical or things that are dry. They're, you know, they're fact-based. They're not necessarily meant to engage beyond the content. Like I want someone to read it clearly. So the grammar and all that stuff matters. But the writing that you're talking about that engages people is heart-centered and brings people along has um, a different, it has different requirements Let me, from my perspective. So when did you decide first that you wanted to help other writers to progress through that, whether it's finishing a manuscript, getting them cleaned up, or even further out getting published? When did all that occur? Ooh. Well, I mean, even in college, like you have critique partners and you swap each other's manuscripts and so you critique each other's. So that alone, like that's the first step in helping another writer is when you critique their work. And when I started going to those SCBWI conferences, um, it's like one of the annual highlights of my year. (laughs) Uh, We just, I mean, it's like doing anything that you love, you have a passion for, you get in a whole group of people, they all want to talk about their own work and find out what you do, what are you writing about? And it is just super exciting. And we just naturally want to help each other because we're doing the same kinds of things. Like we all just love what we do. And so I think that would be the easiest way, you know, where my desire to help others is just because, well, I'm a writer too, and I want help and let me help you. And you want feedback? Sure. I'll help you, you know? So there's that. And then as far as like doing it on a business level, that kind of came around 2014 I was actually listening to a telesummit. It was hosted Back online. In the days. I know, right? It was still online, but it was called a telesummit. So you listened on the phone and they had recordings and stuff. But I remember the lady's name. And I don't know if you know, have ever heard of her, or maybe some of your guests have, but Linda Claire Puig, P U I G. And she was talking about businesses on the go, like take your business with you traveling. Right. And that was when I first thought, 
ooh, writers who run. <laughs> like the only time I ever want to travel is when I go to a writing conference or when I go to a running event, unless it's like a family vacation. And that was when I first thought, like, that's one way I could help other people, other writers, if I could make an event to where other writers and runners could come to one event instead of two separate events, like, wouldn't that be helpful? Like, I would love to do that. And so I couldn't find it. And so I created it myself. But yeah, so like my whole journey of entrepreneur and helping other right, like originally my first entrepreneur idea, I even went back to school for this, was to design websites for other authors. Because I noticed a lot of authors don't have great websites, or at least back then they didn't. I mean, five, six years, that's a long time ago. <laughs> it is in technology. <laughs> it, it Really, it is a long time ago. Yeah. And so that one didn't work out. And I just keep pivoting, keep pivoting, keep pivoting until I find something that will work for me as well as help other writers that's scalable, etc. So. So Christy, let's talk about writing itself. Um, you know, I mentioned in the introduction that you like to help folks that you know how to um, move people through and help them keep their writing fresh, their content interesting. But how can we as writers do that without feeling like we're on this constant um, treadmill to just keep putting out brand new stuff? Are there ways that we, um, practices that we could do? Or if I came to you and said, I need to keep my content fresh what do I do? What would you advise me to do there? I mean, there's a couple of things. One, it depends on how you would define content. So if it's um, to a fellow entrepreneur slash business owner, I'm guessing content would be, you know, podcast topics, blog articles, that kind of thing, social media, emails even. Well, there's the whole repurposing thing. So we can do one thing and turn it into multiple content. But if it's more like on a creative writing aspect, like you're just trying to write something either for yourself or to publish for multiple people, like, you know, a big audience, or maybe even for a business, like a, a book to like bolster your business. There are, I mean, you have the project. So there's that. So that's like the content I, I call like, your, uh, your creative baby. That's the, that's the phrase I like to use, your creative baby. So whatever project I'm working on, whether it's a picture book, a novel, a nonfiction book of some kind, that would be my creative baby since that's the one thing that I'm working on in that moment. So if you're in between different pieces of content and you're like, oh, I don't know what I want to write today. Like you can do little writing exercises. I think the biggest thing is to be consistent. Whether you're working on your creative baby, your, your big manuscript, or you're just, you know, trying to write an email or writing in your journal even, you know, but the biggest thing is to be consistent. And it's also the hardest thing. So be so, consistent schedule wise or topic. It doesn't matter the topic you're saying be consistent in writing. Yes. The topic doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, but I think if you're consistent, then you, your topics will stay fresh you know, because you'll just always be top of mind of what you have coming down the pipe, you know, what you've already planned. And in my case, like <laughs> dozens and dozens of story ideas <laughs> and yet to see the light of day. 
Um, but consistency is, is definitely hard because some writers advice would be write every day, no matter what. To me, I say, well, that's not my personal style, but if it helps you, then yes, do it. Right. Consistency can also mean, what if you only write once a week, but it's two hours at a time? Or what if you write three times a week, 10, 20 minutes? If you're still consistent in that way, you're still able to tap into your own creativity and keep the ball rolling. Like you'll be making momentum and progress by being consistent. So consistency can be self-determined, but once you've decided what it's going to be to follow through on it. Yes. So, okay. So let's say I've set up times where I'm going to write. I'm going to work on, um, let me make up a baby here. Let's see. Um, Well, actually, I'm writing to produce uh, a book. Let's just say that, which I'm not yet, but I'm getting back in the old, what am I going to write about piece? Um, But how then, I've got my consistency. What are some tips for getting me going? And more importantly, um, for painting a scene that can draw readers into the message that, you know, it's like, okay, I, there might be a purpose or objective for the writing, but how do you engage people? Are there exercises we can do? Do you have tips for that? Well, I do actually have a book. <laughs> it's um, 101 Fun Creative Writing Exercises and the subtitle, uh, Become a Better Writer in 14 Minutes a Day. So there are lots of exercises you can do and it can play into your creativity. So I don't really talk in the book per se about how to write a scene, but the things that are in the book will help you write a better scene. (laughs) So give me some examples. Um, So for instance, and I actually promised someone I'd write for them um, a post and But I want them, I want their readers, and it's all about mindset, habit, and health. Health is not, I mean, I have my own um, things that I read and and enjoy about a health journey, but that's not my bailiwick, right? So what I'm really pointing out is that no matter what it is, incremental, repeated, and to your point, consistent steps, start making the picture full. That is super dry. So but I'm trying to think, how do I paint a scene? So give me an exercise or an example exercise out of your book. They say, Sarah, start here. Just do this. It'll help you kind of tease out some of that. Can you give me an example of one? Ooh, well, let's see. Um, Take a minute, leaf through your book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will, first I will, I would like to say what the five chapters are. Let's do well, that. Actually six chapters. The five main chapters have 20 exercises each. Okay. And then there are also mix and match exercises that you can utilize with several lists that I also include in the book. And then there's the bonus chapter, which is the 101st exercise. So the five main chapters, one is about describing, like description, you just how you describe objects and to try to get a little more feeling into those descriptions. The second chapter is about feelings and emotions and how to infuse that in with your actions. The third chapter is all about senses, using the five senses to like really bring a setting to life. 
And the fourth chapter is all about dialogue and how, how the dialogue can change depending on the two different people who might be speaking to each other, or if it's a small group of people, three or four people. And then the final chapter um, is all about characters and characterization and their, their flaws and weaknesses and all the funny things, you know, the quirks, right? So that's kind of how it's set up. And when you focus on each one of those things and do the exercises that pertain to each of those five storytelling elements, it will bring your story and your writing to life. Oh, pardon me. <laughs> and it will, it will make it more believable, more relatable. It will draw the reader in more when you have like the senses or even if it's nonfiction, because you can have like a snippet of dialogue or a little bit of characterization, like the character had a scar on their face or they moved their hand such and such a way, you know, uh, there was a limp, you know, and it doesn't, it's, you're, you don't have to necessarily tell a full on story, like a fictional story, but even the best nonfiction books have little snippets of anecdotes and stories sprinkled all throughout. And so that's, you know, the book is for really for fiction writers, but even nonfiction writers can get really good benefit out of it if they infuse it into their writing, you know? So that was my other question is who is it for? Is it only for um, creative writers or nonfiction? I mean, fiction writers. So clearly we could all benefit from doing that if we're writing. And it absolutely, absolutely. And just and to liven it up. Exercises in the book will only take you like 14 minutes or less. You know, a lot of them you can do in three or four minutes, but if you get to go and like you can go longer. One person said, oh yeah, the 14 minutes a day, it's turning into more, right? So the idea is to help people and encourage them, inspire them to want to be more consistent in their own writing, which in turn will help boost your creativity. So more consistent, you've got exercises to help us kind of kickstart that and get better just by doing the exercises and that will spur our creativity. And that's not just for fiction writers. It's anybody who writes could benefit from the exercises. Absolutely. So now people come to you for help. And what are some of the common themes or maybe, I don't know, places folks struggle when they say, hey, Christy, I'm reaching out to you for X. What are some of the reasons they reach out to you? I would say... There's two big things that I would think. And this, this comment is going to come from the aspect of someone who's wanting to publish a novel. If you want to publish a novel, and actually it kind of applies to nonfiction too, because number one, it has to be well-written. If, if you want to seek a traditional publisher, point blank, it has to be well-written. An editor is not going to fix it for you. All they can do is help you take it to the next level. So it better be well-written or you're not even going to get that chance. The second thing for novelists is the plot. So there's kind of like two avenues. You have, you have to be able to write well and you have to be able to tell a good story. And the plot is what helps you tell a good story. And then say for nonfiction writers, it wouldn't necessarily be plot, but it would be how well is the book organized, right? How is it laid out? Did you, do you have a structure, you know? So those, they kind of go hand in hand like that. And let me ask then, 
because I can relate to that structure piece you're talking about. I still, when I'm writing for um, nonfiction, I still have a destination in mind for folks to arrive. Mm -hmm. Even though it's um, either business or some specific thing, there is an arc or a journey I want them to go on. So, so there's the two things, right? You're talking about is being able to write and then having a plot. Um, yeah. So that's the two that, okay. So back to the original question, <laughs> the, the two biggest problems I see, uh, there's like one that relates to each. Okay. So the one is plot. A lot of writers really struggle with plot. What do you mean by plot? Just so that we can, me, as well as other listeners get a sense about when you say plot, what do you mean? So when I say plot, I mean, in a fictional story, it's the things that happen throughout the story. So the character faces conflict, there's actions and reactions, and it, the plot is just simply everything that happens in the story. And if, if it's not told in a way where it's actually related, like consequences, you know, from their actions, then it's just like a bunch of random things that happen. Like it doesn't make sense. So plot can be very tricky. They write a whole story. They don't know there's plot holes. And that's the one biggest thing on, on the storytelling side. And then on the writing well side, the biggest thing would be show versus tell. Show, don't tell. Have you ever heard of that phrase, show, don't tell? Nope. Okay. So in the creative writing world, that's a huge phrase. Anyone who's been writing for any length of time will have heard it probably multiple times. Show, don't tell, show, don't tell. And so you go to writers' conferences and there's almost always at least one workshop about show, don't tell. And it basically means when you're writing, and again, this could be either for fiction or nonfiction, if you are trying to tell like a little anecdote, a little short story, a little small scene, you better show it. Show what's happening, slow it down, you know, explain the movements of, don't say like they walked 20 steps and they turned the doorknob and opened the door and like, unless it's suspense and there's something going to jump out at them, but you don't need to spell it out like that step by step, but show what happened, you know, have details. Like my, my book explains, like have sensory details, the setting, some dialogue. That's how you show it. When you focus on the exercises that are in my book that will help you show Whereas if you're telling, that's like last summer I went to the beach and we had a great time, you know, like telling kind of what happened, but you're, there's no details. There's no nothing. We'll understand what happened, but telling is the fast way. It's like, I just need to like, even like transition. So even if you are writing a novel, you still have to tell sometimes, but it's not like the main point right so it would be like a transitionary phrase if it's not important you can tell it because it'll be fast <laughs> if it's important which in a novel pretty much all the scenes are important then you have to show it like pretend like it's a movie and describe what it looks like and feels like and sounds like as you watch it on screen that would be how you show it okay so that yeah. pulls me into it mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you talked, you talked a little bit about your book. You mentioned it. 
um, about the exercises and being becoming a better writer in 14 minutes a day. Um, personally, I think that's pretty intriguing and especially the practice of it. So I'm going to be checking that out for myself, personal benefit in there. Maybe you'll notice improvements in my writing. Um, but I'm curious, you mentioned that you have your course, Plot Like a Novelist, so and which is in response to a problem area, right? Being able to plot well. Mm -hmm. What Can you describe what that is? So if someone were to enter that course, or if I were to enter the course, what's my journey like? Well, the journey begins <laughs> with a five-day challenge. <laughs> So I actually do a five-day plotting challenge every September, um, and every day I talk about one of the five main plot points and help you figure out what the five main plot points are for you and your story. And then the course talks about everything else that comes before and after and in between those five main plot points because there's actually 11 total. And it's like the basic formula for story, but I teach it in such a way that engages people who like to run or who at least don't mind running analogies, they get it. Because I, I, I make the comparison between writing a novel and running a marathon and they align perfectly. So if I were to do your five-day challenge, with you know whether or not I end up in the course, do I need to come with an idea in mind about what I want to write about? Or if I do that challenge, will that kind of help me suss out what that might be? Most people do come with at least a nugget of an idea. I mean, if you don't have any idea what you want to write about, then why do you want to write? <laughs> I mean, if you're just saying, I want to write something, but I don't know what I want to write, then I just question that. But it doesn't need to be fully fleshed out. No, it doesn't need to be fully fleshed. You don't have to have like a full novel already written with a manuscript. No, you don't have to have that. But if you at least have, you know, a nugget of an idea, maybe a paragraph or two on paper, you're like, well, I know I want to write a story about this. And I know like this and this are happening. Like it, it's helped a lot of people really develop their ideas. You know, whether it doesn't matter, like how, even if they just started with a nugget of an idea, or if they came like, and they actually already have half their manuscript already written, either way, they get more clarity with the five main plot points because if you don't know those five main plot points, one of them might be missing. <laughs> and I do see that a lot. So, or sometimes it's, they will define one of the plot points thinking that it's actually something else. So they have to kind of rework the pacing and where things belong. So, okay, so now I've done the five day challenge. I've gotten more clarity, um, but I want more. So I'm going into the course. What is that journey like? Like how long does the course last? What kinds of, you, you mentioned the, there's 11 points in the plot mm -hmm. journey, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. What's my journey like in your course? Yeah, so the course is typically five weeks. And they are, it's basically, well, it's, uh, I, I, I call, I get all cutesy with it. <laughs> um, the first week is all about your, well, let me just pull my little diagram right here. The first, <laughs> the first week is 
the what comes before the beginning in some novels is your not the epilogue prologue so the prologue and the prologue is like setting the groundwork that will help you be successful like making sure you understand the five plot points kind of reviewing that so that's like the prologue you know of the course and then the second week is we talk about all the beginning so the three stages of the 11 stages that are in the beginning the third week we talk about the middle which includes five of them um, of the different stages and then the fourth week we talk about the end and the, the remaining three to four stages that are in that one and then the final week the fifth week we talk about i call it the epilogue <laughs> but really it's like what to do next like now that you have your outline where do you take it from there and i i provide um average word count you know different ways to kind of get more consistent with your writing coming up with a schedule you know because in some ways it's not as beneficial to come up with a schedule if you don't even know what you're writing like just get the outline get your plot outlined and then you can move forward and really focus on the writing and getting it done so tell me how that aligns with running. Just what one analogy you might use from that overview of your course with running. Well, I'm sitting here looking at my 11 stages and I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh, here's a fun one, the finish line, okay? And in the challenge, I actually start with the fifth plot point on day one, so we work our way backwards. But the finish line in a race represents that you've completed the journey You've crossed the finish line, you finished whatever it was, 5K, 10K, full marathon. And it's like, yeah, you reached your goal. That's your whole goal is to finish the race. In a novel or a story, the finish line is when the character reaches their goal. So whatever that story goal or character goal, there's actually two types of goals. Whatever that goal is, when they reach the finish line, the book is essentially over, except there is one final stage that comes after the finish line. But I'll just give a quick rundown of the, the five main plot points. So you have the sign up. So like when you're running a marathon, you sign up for the race. Then you have the gunshot. So when the gun goes off, you cross the starting line. Then there's the halfway point, because in a marathon, the halfway point means you just finished a half marathon. So that's pretty big. Then there's something called the wall. And in a running, especially with a marathon distance race, that is the point where you, runners oftentimes, they, there's in so much pain that they have to stop running and start walking. Or mentally, they hit a wall and they just feel like they can't go on anymore. Like their legs are burning, you know, whatever it is, like they just kind of hit a wall. And it's this, not everyone hits it, and not every every race but the majority of first timers definitely do <laughs> even in your training runs you can hit the wall but in, in your in your uh fictional story the character also hits a wall which is like their lowest deepest point you know before they finally reach that finish line so okay thank you for the analogy or the <laughs> mapping of the analogy for me there you go um so i've now I'm finished the course 
And I can, this is how I learned. So I finished the course and I'm thinking, uh, I'm going to have some more questions. I'm going to want some more support getting this done. And now I've already been in this course. So I know there's other people like me who are learning. What do you do or offer um, for someone like me who's finished the course, but wants more, more? Yeah, yeah. So I do have a monthly membership that I only offer to students who have taken the course. And so my membership is called Run With Your Writing. And it we literally run together with our writing, <laughs> metaphorically. Like, okay, we're not literally running. But um, that basically is to help everyone go from um, the outline stage, the planning, right, to get the support they need to continue, right? And so I don't, like, we have a critique group in there that's offered every month. Like you can just get critiques from each other. I bring in guest authors to teach other aspects of characterization or setting or world building, all kinds of things. I also do interviews with guest authors and a few other fun things in there. But the whole idea is basically to help them go from that plot outline to eventually have the finished manuscript then also to revise it. And then when they want to seek publication, and then once they're published to also um, know how to market it. So those are like, that's the whole journey of a writer is you have to outline at some point, even if it's after you write your first draft, outline, write the first draft. They might be backwards. <laughs> Revision takes almost the longest part. Publication can take quite long as well depending on which path you're pursuing, traditional or self-publishing, and then promoting it, you know, marketing it. So no matter which path, you still have to market your work and get it out there. Well, that sounds um, like a comprehensive kind of pathway with support, which sounds pretty cool. I'm curious if there's a reason you do your challenge in September. Oh, there is. <laughs> there is definitely a reason. I used to do it in October and October is the month before November and November, which um, many writers, uh, if they're writing a novel may have heard this term, NaNoWriMo. <laughs> that stands for National Novel Writing Month. So NaNoWriMo is the first couple of letters of each of those words. So N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O, NaNoWriMo. And like, it's a thing. So all month of November, any writer who has heard of this and wants to take the challenge, the challenge is to write 50,000 words of your novel in a month. And most adult novels are like between 70 to 90,000 words. If you're writing a, a, a novel for children, you know, a middle grade novel, like for nine to 12 year olds, those are like 30 to 50,000 words, you know, roughly. So depending on who you're writing for, you might actually finish your novel. But if you do the math, it's 1,666 words per day. I have attempted NaNoWriMo several times, but I have never earned the badge because that is too tall an order for my own personal liking to write 1,700 words a day. For 30 days straight? No, 
<laughs> I'd rather take my time and write it in three or four months and not have to write every single day. It's too stressful, but it's still fun. And sometimes I still join the challenge, just challenge myself and see what I can do and get the ball rolling again, you know, but that happens every November. So that's why I used to do it in October, but some people were like, well, I wanted to finish the course before NaNoWriMo started. So now I've shifted it to September to give people more time to like finish the course and then NaNoWriMo, here we go. Let's, let's do it. Perfect. I had a feeling there might be a link there. I wasn't sure. That's why I wanted to ask you. <laughs> um, so Christy, as we wrap this up, I want to thank you, number one, for being our bookends on our five uh, episode series on heart-centered storytelling. Um, I'm hoping the listeners took away some valuable insights from you from our first episode and this episode to blend with whatever work they're doing, whether it's in the creative writing field, novelists, or practical business writing. I think you've offered some tips that can help us all be better writers that connect to people to the core. Um, and so the last thing I want to ask you is, what's the best way for people who want to know more about your challenge or the course or your membership to connect with you and make sure they don't miss out in September? Yeah, well, there's there's two ways. So one would be go to my website, christywrightwild.com slash resources. And there's several different freebies in there and you can sign up for one of those and get on my email list and then you'll be notified about the challenge that way. Another way is you could actually ask to join the writers who run Facebook group. So that's where my community is. I'm in there almost every day. Um, we all just kind of, the, the main point of that group, and actually it's writers who run and in parentheses it says, or walk. So not everyone in the group is a runner, although they just have to put up with my talking about running. So that's the only requirement. If you're willing to put up with me talking about running, then you're welcome to come. <laughs> but um, the main thing that we do in that group is accountability, uh, community, of course. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Community and accountability. So like the accountability aspect, we say every day. How much did you run today or walk or exercise of any kind? Like how far did you go or how, like maybe today I did a mile. Maybe some days I'll say I, I did 20 minutes, <clears throat> whatever, whatever you feel like sharing. Same thing with your writing. You know, if you didn't run, maybe you wrote, you know, did you write for 20 minutes or did you write a thousand words? Like whatever you want to share, you know, it doesn't matter. This is another thing I like to say. It doesn't matter how far you go or how fast you go. It just matters that you go. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Quit talking, start walking. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, that's what I tell myself. I, you know, the things I share with other people in my coaching or consulting, they're all my internal dialogues, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, you could keep thinking about getting this done or you could get going, right? So just yeah, get yeah. going and it'll get done a piece at a time. A piece and, at a time, one yep. step at a time. So we'll put all the links Folks, if you're listening to this and you're wondering how does she spell her name, all that stuff, don't worry about it. They'll be in the show notes so you know how to find Christy, access her information on the social media, her own website, get her free resources. We'll have all that for you. And again, Christy, thank you so much for being a guest on the No Labels, No Limits podcast. 
Thanks a bunch, Sarah. It was a blast. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.